0: Are right, you guys welcome to episode forty-two of the Smushroom, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. I'm your host Troy Makiti, and I have with me somebody that you, at this point, if you've listened, if you're a Smushroom completionist and you've listened to all the episodes, like you know the white Canadian version of me very well. You'll know his voice the minute you hear it. Um, I'm recording today with my friend Russ Martin. Russ, how are you?
1: Hi Troy. Thanks for having me back. I feel like a smushroom reg and I'm very excited about it because uh to blow smoke right up your ass. This is my favorite podcast.
0: <laughs> First of all, you're fam. Like you're you're more than a smushroom <laughs> reg. You're just fam. Like you're in the you're in like the fabric of this podcast now.
1: Uh well thank you for having me back to talk about another Canadian darling.
0: So I call you my, my Canadian correspondent <laughs>
1: <laughs> which I think is like so
0: ridiculous, but I just feel like whenever I'm talking about a Canadian couple, like, you just bring such a different insight, and, like, I don't know, it's different. And today we're gonna be talking about a couple that was, like, very requested in the Facebook group a few months ago when I asked everybody, asked everybody what they wanted to hear. Um Celine Dion and Rene Charles, Rene, Rene Angelil. Um, this is, like, a really, really, really... Truly, this is like a love story. Like, this is not like your typical, like, s- like, smushroom episode where somebody's like getting kicked in their back up a flight of stairs or using somebody to get a reality show or stealing somebody's clothes. This is like a literal love story.
1: This has got to be, while still a strange relationship. Yes. But- by the definition of who these people are how old they were everything that we will get into but this has got to be the most like positive couple that you have discussed yet isn't it
0: i would say so i mean it's definitely the most um it's the most polarizing i guess you could say because it's weird to like you and i were talking about like before we started recording um just how weird it is to kind of like fetishize this relationship and like people love them so much and people love their love and they're celebrated and I mean at this point you know they were together for so many years and they're like known as one of the, the greatest love stories of all time Um and I think that we've been able to kind of like just put a ribbon on it like just put this perfect bow on this relationship and be like yeah the beginning was a little bit weird but it is very weird that you know he knew her as a little girl and like allegedly that- waited until she was of age
1: the beginning is a lot of bit weird, I wouldn't say a little bit weird. I think it's a lot of bit weird. Uh but at this point now, uh like with Renee gone, uh they proved everyone wrong. Uh they he went out of this world with Celine grasping onto his hand. Uh anything that we thought of it or that people thought of it at the time that it happened, or even retrospectively, they kind of proved us wrong. Uh I have done a real deep dive. I've been researching and reading 90s articles about Celine for about a week now, and I just have not found any evidence whatsoever that Renee ever treated Celine in any poor way.
0: No, literally same. I'm sorry, go ahead. I cut you
1: off. Oh, no, or vice versa, like, uh, the relationship seemed to be, like, healthy for both parties involved, which is just, like, the strangest thing to say on this mushroom.
0: No, yeah, I mean, like, it, I've never, not one time, again, I, to read what you just said, like, I've read so much shit now at this point, and, like, I could not find a single negative thing that she's ever said. The only thing that I could find at all was in, like, one article from a million years ago where she said, like, you know, things have not always been perfect for me and Renee. They were, like, rocky. Like, she said that they had a normal marriage. And I was like, that's literally the dirt. Like, that is, (laughs) for this relationship, that's, like, the messiest thing about it. Besides the fact that it's just, it's built on just complete fucking insane messiness.
1: Have you watched any of the old interviews from the late 80s or late 90s when Renee used to sit in on the interviews with her? Oh, absolutely. So there is one uh, when they were doing the English language debut in 1990 uh, for Unison, and I thought it was very interesting. Renee talks and talks and talks, uh, and there's one point in the interview when Celine cuts him off and says, I am here too, uh, which I thought was... An interesting dynamic, but it was like, it was a beat, right? And then Celine went right into saying exactly what she thought and what her perspective was and really continued on, uh, and it wasn't like an uncomfortable moment other than for me sitting there being like, that was the uncomfortable moment I've been looking for. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like she had, uh, or if she did not have agency at the time as a young woman, she displayed agency in a huge way. I
0: would completely 100% agree with that. And I feel like later in life, I feel like she sort of equates her independence and her, you know, cause she became this sort of like ball busting career woman at a certain point. Um, and like, you know, she was like known for like being like kind of a shark when it came to business. And I feel like Renee she equates that to, like, what Renee taught her. And, like, I feel like she... It's, like, this weird father-daughter, but also because he had kind of raised her and, like, taught her everything she knew. He's the only man that she's ever really been with her entire life. Um, Do you know what it
1: reminds me a bit of? Hmm? Uh, Erica uh, Girardi and Tom Girardi from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, my God, Uh, yes. I think you'll see a lot of, like... Erica does this really powerful stuff that we don't often see from reality TV stars or even from just women on television uh, where she owns her silence and she's able to like stop and listen in a way that is powerful and intimidating and allows her to control situations. And those are all things that I guess she has said she's learned from Tom and Tom being this sort of Legendary Aaron Brockovich lawyer. Uh, and I think that with Renee and Celine, she has learned so much of the stuff about the business, but she was at such a young, young, young age that she soaked it in and it sort of became her personality too.
0: Yeah. Wow. That was really, first of all, thank you. For, that was it. That was episode 42 of This Mushroom. Thank <laughs> you so much for being here. I don't even know what to say after that. The compare, When you get to the point that you're compares, comparing. <laughs> Erica Jane to Celine, you know that you've you've stepped into like this mushroom. Like you know that you're on this podcast officially.
1: <laughs> I don't think it's that wild. I they're a uh they have a very large age difference and they are a couple that by all accounts both treat each other very well, have the deal that they have, seem happy and comfortable with it, and have over the years you know, I Erica Girardi, before we met her, I'm sure put in a lot of work to yeah. prove it people wrong in Tom's social world, in the legal profession, everywhere that she went, she was up against something. And I think after a certain number of years, it's sort of like, bitch, I'm here, bitch, I'm staying. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's sort of what they've done with their relationship as well. But in this like soft way in an album liner notes in the mid nineties,
0: <laughs> you know, you're so right. And even just like the mutual, sort of respect that they have for each other. Because the thing about Renee is that he always just, like... He always just championed her talent in such, like, a... Like, he really, really believed in her in a way that nobody else did in in the world. And, like, even herself. Like, he just... He saw something in her and, like, knew that she was, like... You know, he just had so much respect for her talent and her gift. And he knew that she was, like, born with this, like, actual gift. And, you know, same thing for her. Like, it was, like, a mutual admiration where she just saw him as this like powerful all-knowing wise inc- incredible businessman that just could do no wrong
1: we're gonna have to find some wrong troy <laughs> I
0: well i guess we can finally get started um all right so celine and renee had officially come out as a couple in april of 1987 they were engaged for four years and they later on got married in december of 1994 Um, they met when Celine was 12, and they've always maintained that they had a strictly professional relationship at the beginning of her career, um, up to the point that she was, like, beyond of age. She was, like, an actual woman, um, but she felt, she fell in love with Renee, sort of years before, when she was still pretty young. Um, they had their first child, Renee Charles, in January of 2001, and twin boys, Eddie and Nelson, in October of 2010. And Renee passed away on January 14th of 2016 after a long battle with throat cancer. Um, and up to that point, I mean, Renee, like I said, he'd, you know, he's basically the only man Celine had ever been with in her entire life. Her first kiss, her first everything, like her first handhold. I mean, like she literally, this was like, I mean, I can't even
1: imagine what this loss like felt like for her. Um... Well, you, you say kiss. She had never kissed another man before Renee. And, like, as far as we know, has still never kissed another man.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is crazy. Like, that makes me feel really weird. I don't know.
1: Yeah, she's a 49-year-old woman who maybe has never kissed another man.
0: Oh, my God. To think that you would have children... Have like your first sexual experiences, your first everything, your first like butterflies as a child, and end up with them your entire life is literally so insane to me. Like, this is like a story that was written for. A, I, I've said this, I wrote this down like nine times in my notes, but this is a story that was written for a Lifetime movie
1: original. Yeah. Uh, did you ever get to the Canadian Lifetime original? That I- <laughs> So I got to watch clips.
0: I didn't get to finish the entire thing, but it was really moving. Let's just say that. I mean,
1: it's wild. It's pretty lifetimey, right?
0: It is very lifetimey. I really want to try and get Molly to record it for uh, Mother May Sleep a podcast because it's oh, really, uh, <laughs> it's uh, really good.
1: Yeah. Uh, so for the listeners, uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, known as the CBC or the CEEB, uh up in Canada, which is like our version of NPR or whatever, uh, did a biopic of her. Uh, in the mid-2000s, and I told you about this when you asked me if I would do the episode. Uh, I was watching it probably when I was 19 or 20, something like that, just, like, on TV at my parents' house. And I didn't realize it was a Celine Dion biopic until, like, halfway into the movie. I just... (laughs) Canadian content about a fictional pop star who like makes it uh, but the movie is like it's it's got everything that you would want from a Lifetime movie
0: also by the way I don't even really think that that's that far off because Celine's story is so sort of classic like poor pop star makes it into like a world I mean it's it's like you would never believe that this happened to a real human person you know what I mean
1: would, would you say that it's a tale as old as time <laughs>
0: possibly very much so possibly um can we talk about celine's rags to riches
1: yes absolutely we can talk about her origin story uh get into it
0: so can you just give a really quick sort of synopsis at the very beginning of like celine's um uh like where she's from and what it means to like it's just as an american boy raised in cleveland i just was not able to piece it together the way that you were
1: absolutely so I. Uh- she is from uh, Charlemagne, Quebec, uh, which you'll often read, especially in the early celebrity profiles of Celine, they acted like it was a village, uh, but today in 2018, it's a suburb outside of Montreal, which is you know a large metropolitan city, uh, but by all accounts all the information that we have and that Celine has ever talked about, uh, she grew up dirt poor, like very, very poor. Uh, in what at the time was, I guess, a small village, now sort of turned into a suburb. Uh, It's only about a 20-minute drive outside of Montreal, but uh, at the time uh, that Celine had sent out her first recordings of a song that her mom wrote uh, and got a meeting with Renée, she had actually never even been to Montreal. Uh, So... Yeah, it is it is this r- rags to riches story. Uh the town population of 6,000. Uh she was the youngest of 14 children, which is just massive. Oh my god. Uh, and I'm sure you read like a lot of the the similar stuff about three or four people sleeping to a bed. Uh her dad was a butcher. Uh the family had 16 people and he made $165 a week. Yeah. So that was, what 1650 per person. Jesus. Uh so, yeah, it's pre- oh, way less than that. My math is, like, very bad, Troy.
0: <laughs> I'm like, yes, preach. I didn't even, like, question it. Are you kidding? Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, one detail that uh, I picked up on was that they were so poor that after dinner, they would flip over the plates to have dessert.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. I did read that. I think that you and I read the same. um there is this really juicy like people this people magazine article from like 1990 like or maybe like 2000 the year 2000 and it really just went in on her life
1: did it start in the backseat of a limousine
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> i was like holy shit i read that like eight times
1: yeah like outside of the bell center of montreal yeah, yeah. That was <laughs>
0: Oh my God! We were probably clicking on it at the same time from different parts of the world. An article from People magazine, the year two thousand.
1: No, there's a digital editor at People being like, "Who are these two clicks?"
0: They just keep clicking over and over and over. Um, And I also I also read too that she, you know, like they not only slept like you know four or five people to a bed, but Celine um, didn't grow up for most of her life having a bedroom. She didn't even know what it felt like. She her bed sat on a ramp at the top of their stairs, like that overlooked their living room. Um, they didn't have a washing machine. Um, I mean, it's it's like literally she describes in the morning when she and her sisters would like wake up for school and like watch her mom put their socks in her oven so that they could warm them because they weren't clean and they were usually wet. And I mean, it's just it's crazy like it's it's like annie like a little princess poor
1: i had to i had to check the date like several times too because like celine dion was born in 1968 like not 1914
0: thank you i mean literally i really felt like i felt like the, the the ending of that story was gonna be that she went outside and peddled for bread You know what I mean? Like in like a cobblestone street. And like, I I was like, what is happening? Like, how is this? uh, It's insane to wrap your head around.
1: No, my parents grew up. uh, My parents were about 10 to 15 years older uh, than Celine. And they grew up in Manitoba on the prairies, on farms, like a two hour drive away from any city whatsoever. Never mind like a city the size of Montreal. And like, these are not the stories that I have.
0: It's insane. I mean, like, for a, a woman who wasn't born in 1910 to have the me- the childhood memory of seeing her mom warm her socks in the oven
1: is just pretty intense.
0: Talk. Yeah, I mean, like, I bet she and Shania have some shit to talk about. Can you imagine what they talked about backstage at Divas Live?
1: <laughs> just the two of them kicking it.
0: Oh my god! Talking about rural Canadian, t- like, locations eating off the backs of plates. Um and Selena said I read this quote where she said we weren't poor but we never had any money and she said I don't know if that makes any sense we were given love and affection and support what else did we need so she talks about how like you know she grew up with no money and they had nothing but they just were so happy and they loved each other so much and like the kids really didn't know any different and they were such like a musical family that they spent most of their day just like singing and like playing instruments her mom was uh an accordionist and they were like this sort of like Canadian partridge family. You know what I mean? Like those this sort of like poor Partridge family and they really had dreams of all just becoming like singers together. You know what I mean? Like whatever kid would make it as a star, that was just how it was gonna be. Because no matter what, they, like one of them was gonna do music.
1: And they even uh the the father opened a bar, uh which is the the first place that Celine played. I guess he sort of had saved up and opened this bar i think in charlemagne uh and yeah that's where she kind of got her start uh before her mom yanked her out of the bar and said that she wanted a real career for her yeah
0: (laughs) um she also you mentioned that she record first of all i'm obsessed that her first single was called it was only a dream there's just something about that that i love
1: (laughs) i used to read word up magazine (laughs)
0: because i then i just picture celine like in her Celine voice, like, kind of sing-rapping, like, Biggie.
1: Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and we're noting, too, the, that first song was written by her mother.
0: Yeah, her mom wrote her first song, which is really sweet. And sometimes Celine performs it, and she's put it on, like, numerous albums. And I just think that that's, like, really fucking cute. Like, she, I think she performed it um at her Vegas show, like, her first show after Renee had passed away. I'm pretty sure she had performed It Was Only a Dream, which I love. Um, oh, wow. But, yeah, so, I mean, the first time she ever performed was at her brother's wedding. She was uh, a literal child. And uh, her dad, after they recorded the song, her dad sent off her, uh, her recording to Renee. Um, and Renee sort of ignored it. He, like didn't really care to listen to it and didn't, like, give it the time of day, um, they kept, like, pandering him and eventually, like, contacted him and they were, like, listen to this goddamn this goddamn song. So he invited Celine out to sing for him and um, he very famously cried the first time he heard her sing and, like, just basically made a vow at that point to make his entire life, to focus his entire life on her career, like, to basically put his entire existence into making sure that this girl had become a star because he was so moved by her voice.
1: Uh, Before we dive too far into their relationship, do you want to talk a bit about Renee? Because I think probably people don't know much about Renee, uh, who had uh, had a career uh, before Celine, but was like really in the dumps around the time that he met her.
0: Yeah, I didn't know anything about Renee actually. Actually, your can you just give a quick synopsis of Renee and his like previous relationship because I didn't know any of this stuff and it was so well written in your notes. I was reading it like it was a Harlequin novel. <laughs> uh,
1: he he was born in 1942 uh, in Montreal. He was a first generation Canadian. Uh, his parents were Syrian and Lebanese. Uh, he dropped out of business school to play in a band called the Baronets. So. He had musical aspirations uh, before he became a music manager. Uh, they were basically a Beatles cover band. Uh, they performed French language versions of Beatles songs, and they all dressed themselves up in the like English cut suits with the skinny ties, uh, and I guess were quite popular in Quebec. Uh, they had a hit like on the top of the charts there, uh, like locally in the province. Uh, he had actually been married twice before, uh, Celine. Uh, the first marriage, he protected his image, uh, as a heartthrob <laughs> singer. <which laughs> I guess that's how he saw himself. I have never seen a picture of this man without like a pretty bald head. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm very curious about about that image <laughs> or like a it, low it, it,
0: hanging like rat tail ponytail yeah. like, braided down his back like
1: yeah I it reminded me for sure of how in the early years they concealed their relationship as well so this is a man who always thought about image and publicity and all of that yeah. uh uh, he broke up with his band and then went on to manage uh, Jeanette Renault, uh, who's not someone I'm very familiar with, but I've looked her up and she was a very successful Canadian singer. Uh, she, I guess, got back together with a husband or something, and he decided to manage her. So they dropped uh, Renee as a manager, uh, which was kind of a dire period uh, of his career. Uh, he had been married uh, to this woman. Uh, Dense Duquette I have not said that right, Troy It's okay (laughs) Uh, I didn't find very much information at all about his first marriage uh, but his second marriage uh, who he was married to when he met Céline was uh, a woman named Manon uh, who went by the name of Anne Renée they were married for 11 years from 1974 till 1985 uh, and he met Céline like 19... 80 something like that uh she was actually a mega popular singer i sent you some of her music it's not it's not bad no i'm like get ready to like take out a sand card on like
0: (laughs) no it wasn't bad at all and i also really like um i mean we talked about this but like i love celine's early music like i never had heard any of these songs and i would describe it as like like, when we were messaging back and forth, you brought up Carly Rae Jepsen, because, like, it literally sounds like... I don't, know if you, I don't know if there's any Carly Rae Jepsen heads listening to this podcast right now, but, like, if you listen to the Emotion album, all of Celine's early music sounds like the song All That, which yes. is, like my favorite Carly Rae Jepsen song. It's very just, like, emotional, synthy, sort of, like, sad, weepy, bubblegum pop. Well,
1: yeah. So that, the song All That is a dev song, right? Like... Blood Orange, yeah, uh, and so he was the the same producer who co wrote and produced uh, Solange's like big hit uh, "Losing You" and Sky Ferreira. Uh, oh, Everything is embarrassing. Time. Like don't you I- ever,
0: do not bring uh, up Sky. I, it, well, this this podcast will derail
1: completely. But, but it has that like spacey, airy quality that actually like feels oddly current, yeah. or at least to a few years ago when those blood orange songs were making the rounds uh but listen people like maybe we'll put together a playlist or something because early french language Celine, like some bops in there oh my
0: god it's amazing i was like i can literally clean my house to this like this is no joke going on my apple music as soon as possible
1: I spent about a half hour watching a lyric video uh, (laughs) to one of them to see if I could teach myself a little bit more French.
0: (laughs) I was going to ask you, like, do you
1: know any French? Je ne parle pas français. I went to public school. (laughs) (laughs) So you're just like me. One of us. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. uh, French is uh, spoken uh, throughout the country, but generally in pockets. Uh, where I'm from, a small neighborhood called Saint Boniface in Winnipeg, uh, definitely has a strong uh, francophone community. Uh, but where I live in Toronto and have for the past twelve years, there's just like more people speaking every other language in the world than French, actually. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Quebec is like a very interesting situation that is like pretty dissimilar to anything that I can think of in the states because it's a geographical area that not only has its own language, but like its own culture and its own popular culture, uh, which is sort of like gave birth to Celine. Uh, Like they've got their own star system, they've got their own morning shows, they've got their own television shows, uh, everything. And there will be people like, I have a couple of people that I know in Toronto who are actually like French famous in Quebec. Uh, Nobody would know them walking down street in Toronto, but in Quebec, they're on pretty big TV shows locally, and they do press and go on television and do morning shows and all of that, so it's, yeah, it's a difficult thing to explain to an American.
0: Well, first of all, I didn't even know that until you had told me, and one of the things that—I mean, it, it made all of this make more sense to me, because I remember reading about how—which I don't want to skip too far ahead, but I remember reading about how, like, you know, once Celine had, like, really made it, like, when she really became, like, Celine Dion, uh, like, you know, people were, like— people from where she was from were, like, upset because they felt like she was sort of, like, turning on her roots, and she's always been very sort of, um— like, adamant on making sure that, like, nobody ever forgets where she's from. Like, especially after that scare of, like, thinking, like, oh my... Like, the Whitney Houston thing, like, remember in, like, the beginning of Whitney's career when people were like, you're not black enough anymore because she was, like, raised in the church? And it was, like, after that, I mean, I feel like Celine, like, her entire career has been so adamant on, like, making sure that people are fully aware of where she's from, where she came from, and, like, she's so proud. And, like, I don't know, it just made me feel like I understood the culture a lot more.
1: Yeah, she's one of those artists uh, like a JLo or like a Shakira who do uh, a different language album in between doing an English language album. But Celine, it's like crazy. Celine in the 90s released 13 albums. 13
0: fucking albums.
1: Like, Hello Rihanna? I like, know, I know. The 7-7 seven, seven tour?
0: I <laughs> no. And it's honestly so different than what, like, I mean, I, of course, my immediate thought was, like, Shania. You guys, I hate to cut you off, but at this point, I think you know the drill. You've got to be a Patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode. So, go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. At that point, you will uh, be asked to donate. And then when you donate at this level, you'll get this podcast. You'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week. You'll get Liz Bentley's Feathers in My Hair, which is the Teen Mom Podcast. Um, You'll get me and Molly's uh, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic Special. You'll get all the stuff that Molly does exclusively through Patreon. It's well worth it. And also, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, go to mollyandthepsychos.com. It'll take you straight to it. And uh, all we do all day and all night is talk about reality TV. It's super fun. So, like I said, patreon.com slash ebpsychos and mollyandthepsychos.com.